Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. You are listening to the COB podcast here at AusBiz. It is July the 18th. It's a Monday. I'm your host, David Scott, joined today by Carl Rotter. And uh, Carl, it's uh, almost seemed predetermined today that we're going to have a big rally. We saw that massive gain on Wall Street coming through on Friday. And uh, so it proved to be. Yeah, so it was written in the stars, I suppose, or at least in the charts, perhaps. But um, yeah, really solid day, um, basically finishing at the highs of the session up in the auction as well. And um, I mean, Wall Street's trade had a very kind of value cyclical bent to it. Um, so it was always going to be a, a good thematic for the ASX. So we, we saw that kind of reflected in the, in the price action today. But um, yep, Monday fun day. Yeah, up uh, 1.23% or uh, no, uh, 81.5 points for the benchmark today. Real big solid gains coming through by you know, technology, energy materials and financials all up in the vicinity around about 1.5% plus. Uh, part of the reason what was going on in the financial space, Carl, of course, is that uh, we woke up to, uh, to fresh headlines. Of course, there was speculation about it, but uh, ANZ is, uh, is making a play and wants to go and buy uh, Suncorp Bank's uh, banking division. Uh, for no $4.9 billion. Uh, what did you make of the news? Any real surprises, given we were talking about it a little bit on Friday? Well, I mean, we've been talking about it for a few weeks, haven't we? That's mm. um, been doing the, I guess, um, rounds in the media and what have you. I mean, I suppose, you know, the Australian banking sector, exactly what it needs is more consolidation, I guess. So um, take uh, take a little bit of extra competition out of the market there. But um, yeah, I don't know. Seems to be responded to fairly well from Sun- Suncorp shares. Um, you know, up, I think it was 6 or 7% by the end of the day. Obviously, ANZ went into a halt. So... Um, you know, certainly winners out of the whole thing. Yeah, up five point nine percent. Also, yeah. My only question is that I uh, know the rationale behind it. Like, I know that I know it's a way to go and and get to uh, know uh, increase earnings uh, without having to go put the systems in place. But we know that ANZ had a lot of problems trying to go and, and process mortgage approvals during that boom period of the last couple of years. So I just wonder. Like, no, I did hear the uh, terminology late cycle uh, mentioned more than once in relating <laughs> to that. Uh, potential takeover deal. Of course, it's still subject to a few hurdles, including from the ACCC. Yeah. But uh, yeah, interesting one to go and take a look at and uh, a consolidation in the banking space. Look, given the news flow today, we decided to go and make it our stock of the day on the call. So Koshi was back from uh, you know, uh, marrying off his uh, youngest daughter uh, overseas. And uh, congratulations, Koshi. Hope you had a fantastic holiday to mm. boot as well. But uh, he was back in the hot seat today with the dream team, Gaurav Sodhi and Nathan Somersundram, when and joined him to go and discuss so no, both Suncorp and ANZ and to see whether it should be on your buy list. Take a listen. Surprise because there's been a long policy that the big four cannot take do any more takeovers. This is yeah. going to be a test of that policy and I actually think it might go know. through. Yeah. You do? I think it might go through. There's, it's clear that there's, there's new forms of competition. These big four mortgages, they absolutely dominate. But um, outside of mortgages, there's just there's a there's a different industry structure that is building, and I think ANZ has a case for actually hanging mm. on to the bank. Look, I don't know. The ACCC has been remarkably um, hostile towards yes. uh, towards any acquisition, so they may knock this back. But I think there's a case for them to hold it. Remember, when the cycle gets weak, 
we have a funny way of allowing these things to happen. If you look back at all those banks yeah. being allowed to take over the smaller player, mm -hmm. that's happened in a weak cycle. And we are in a weak property mortgage cycle. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if that happened. Would you get into ANZ as a result no. of this? Oh, uh, look, you've got to remember ANZ, they're doing buybacks. A few months later, they're looking at MYOB. They look like and then suddenly the they're buying uh, Suncorp. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've had all the banks divesting and then now they're trying to buy growth it because almost things looks are struggling. Like, it almost looks like panic to me. Yeah, they it's don't like know they, what to do. Yeah, they don't have like, the growth. Markets are not paying yeah. up for them, so they're trying to look for it. And uh -huh. the financials, when you look at it relative to its history and against other sectors, they look like they've peaked for me. So the mm -hmm. banks are the big boys. So, look, number of a few months ago when I told you I think CBA is a roaring sell, yeah. still for me it is. There you go. No. Don't do it. Yeah, basically no. Uh, Big fans of coal, though. Uh, speaking of which, uh, I tell you, a coal, uh, coal name that did pretty well today, of course, was uh, Whitehaven. Uh, out mm. with a trading update, according to the quarterlies are all coming out at the moment, uh, talking about record revenues, record everything, basically. Um, and not surprising, its uh, share price absolutely surged uh, around about 4.5%. Uh, also, email payments, we know that's uh, been a bit of a rough time for that, uh, that particular firm. It was up 6.7% after confirming it had previously been in discussions with some suitors about a sale uh, of its business. But uh, certainly, it's broken down for the time being. But uh, clearly, the market thinking where there's smoke, there's a fire. Yeah, looking across some of the other top performers today, uh, that real sort of speculative end of the market, uh, Brainchip, Life360, Pendle, and Liontown, all up more than 7%. So, yeah, positive start to the, uh, the trading week. But um, it was kind of like on the charts and uh, in the tea leaves and everything else, when you're going to say, because... Of course, Carl, I mentioned what happened on Friday evening. Uh, lots of debate and sort of conjecture about what actually drove it. But one thing for me is it stands out now. It just seems that uh, the most important you know, thing in the world right now when it comes to not only inflation outlook, but what it comes to our central bank policy is what happens at the petrol browser. Uh, it would seem so. And I mean, I guess sometimes it feels like um, in all the wonkiness and uh, policy discussion that the simplest thing is sim uh, what energy does. Um, and it feeds through to everything else. So, um, yeah, I mean, we haven't really had that much for a reprieve. I suppose in oil prices are relatively high, but, you know, a lot of folks we're talking to at the moment are obviously pointing to the fact that commodity prices are rolling over as being a, a fairly, you know, a reason to be optimistic that inflation's coming down. And if you looked at the five-year, five-year in the States um, on Friday night, it's back down to 2%, which is roughly where it was before the onset of the pandemic. That kind mm. of range it tends to, to, to chop in. So, I mean, the... <laughs> It was op options expiry on Friday, wasn't it, in the States? Oh, there's a lot of options activity around it. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, that University of Michigan uh, five- and ten-year inflation expectations is uh, getting lots of attention right now. And uh, I have a bit of a view about it in the newsletter today. I, I, I think that's probably the wrong indicator. Uh, if Jerome Powell had his time again, I wonder whether he would have gone and uh, pointed to it. But certainly it had a massive impact. And uh, just the equity markets legged higher as soon as that result came out. So it seems basically, you know, if you want to go to lead indicator about know what's going to be driving financial markets, go and check out what's going on the petrol boards. Uh, seems to be pretty influential out mm. there at the moment. Carl, you mentioned what's going on in the other commodity space. Uh, you had a chat today with Mark Taylor from Morningstar. Not the uh, former Australian cricket captain, but uh, no, someone equally adept at uh, crafting in innings and uh, certainly had a lot to say about that commodity space. Yeah, no, he did. And uh, I think, you know, one of the things that I gleaned, I continue to glean from people um, who uh, talk about investing um, or getting exposure to, to commodities is to know your time horizon. And I think that was a big mm -hmm. takeaway that I got from, from me was that, you know, clearly we're going through these concerns at the moment about 
China, uh, US recession risks, all these things that are sort of near-term headwinds. But the, the sort of bull thesis is much longer term for a lot of these guys. Um, and their whole thing is that there's continued underinvestment, there's a continued demand, especially as we try and, you know, the, the kind of ironic thing is that if we move to a green future, we need energy to power our way through that to start with anyway. Um, so they're still really bullish on the space. So I encourage people list, uh, to, to listen to that one because, you know, we do get caught in the in the day-to-day price action. But as far as the fundamentals of the uh, of the sector goes, for, for these guys, it hasn't hasn't changed much. Yeah, for I market, it hasn't changed much. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote uh, something similar on those lines about the other uh, energy space. I know recessions come and go, but uh, you mentioned some of the structural supply-side constraints that are going to be in place for a long period of time. Makes you wonder about you know, when demand does go and pick up again because, of course, that does particularly on an economic upswing. Uh, some other great interviews on the other program today. Uh, no, Andrew sat down and had a chat uh, with uh, Tom Wegner uh, from... Uh, Marcus Today. Marcus Today, indeed. Got it down for me. And uh, yeah, having a chat about uh, buy, hold and sell. Uh, no, the names you can go and almost play off some of these uh, macro moves that we're seeing at the moment. Of course, macro is in the driving seat. Uh, a few names there that you'll recognise, including on the sell side of the equation. I uh, had a pretty rough week, the, uh, the sell there. Also, uh, Rob Shears from Valor Private Wealth went and joined. And uh, yeah, deep dive about uh, being companies that acquisition and uh, know, are busy in the M&A space. And of course, has dried up a little bit recently, but uh, yeah, not always the same way forever. And uh, of course, when monetary conditions start to go and ease again, which at some point it will, yep. uh, look out, uh, particularly we do see uh, a bit of a slowdown when it comes to economic activity or even in a recession, as many people are now speculating about. Uh, look, let's have a talk about the week ahead. Uh, I think yeah. it's going to be probably dominated by Europe, I dare say. Of course, lots of big earnings results coming out in the States. We know that will be influential. But you've got to think from uh, the longer-term macro uh, positioning, particularly around the economy and, uh, and the corporate earnings in Europe, it uh, comes down to that Thursday. ECB, normal circumstances be the number one game in town. But uh, that gas pipeline, the maintenance which is scheduled to come to an end, uh, all eyes as to whether those gas flows from Russia will resume. Yeah, that um, for me too, just this anti-fragmentation tool is going to be so interesting how it rolls out. I mean, uh, I wrote a little bit of a spiel. I've never been a big fan of the Eurozone or the European Union as a structure, to be perfectly frank. I'm not the only one, I'm sure. But Walking moral hazard, the institution. Well, exactly. But that's the point, though, isn't it? You've got all these issues in Italy right now. You've got all these problems with energy in, in Germany and their mismanagement, which is causing prices to rocket up. Mm. Um, so there's that element of things. But, you know, you've got this intervention from the central bank to try and keep spreads tight and the markets are trying to price in greater political risk and, and other th- other things. Um, and it's just an absolute basket case. So on the one hand, they're going to be trying to ease policy, uh, sorry, tighten policy to combat these kind of rising price pressures, which a lot of it has been due to failed energy policy. And then on the other hand, they're going to be probably supporting financial markets by trying to keep spreads tight in Italy and the other, you know, obviously southern economies. So there's there's the you know clear macro narrative we're used to, which is how they're going to contain inflation, especially in a potentially stagflationary environment in Europe. But then they've got this whole other kettle of fish that they're going to have to deal with, and I just think it's going to be awesome. Who thought that creating a monetary union without creating a fiscal union alongside it was a smart idea? But uh, yeah, you know, when the uh, formulation of the uh, the euro area came about, yeah. At well, least they're not killing each other. Well, they're hopefully not. Uh, not anytime soon. The French yeah. and Germans haven't shot each other for as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, let's hope it doesn't get to uh, no, any you know, <laughs> ramifications of what's going on with that energy crisis. We know potentially where it could go and lead to. We're seeing in other parts of the world uh, know some pretty distressing scenes. So hopefully we don't go down that path. Uh, a lot will come down, unfortunately, to what uh, Vladimir Putin decides to go and do. And, uh, of course, as we've learned over the course of this year, 
anything is possible, including worst-case scenarios in many instances. So close eye on that. I get a lot of attention later on the week. Uh, but until then, it'll be all about corporate earnings. We'll see some pretty big boppers coming up at bat. Uh, Tesla and Telstra. Oh, sorry, and and, uh, and Twitter. I should say. Twitter. They're going to be uh, no two names that are no intertwined uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, particularly one man who's an owner or wanted to be an owner of one of those entities as well. Ostensibly. Uh, yeah, that will uh, that will definitely get a lot of attention. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's go and wrap it up there, and uh, we'll go and do it all again tomorrow. Brilliant, mate. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 